The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Earnings, Elon, and some fear and greed. Here we go on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Welcome. Got a great hour planned for you. Sit back and learn something and learn a little bit more about our team. We're going to talk about longevity today, why it matters in investment and retirement planning. Ask Annex with a question that's been getting a little bit of play lately about moving away from the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. One of the members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee tackles that. Also talking about Social Security break-even. It's a great show. As always, head to our website for more information at AnnexWealth.com. In the studio, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Here's Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, thank you, Danny. I like your lead. And of course, we'll make this show brought to you by the letter E. Lots of E things that we need to talk about. You talked about Elon and earnings, and I can talk about expensive and, of course, the economy. But let's let's start exactly where Danny set that up and with the earnings schedule coming out. We saw a number of companies start to report last week, the financial companies. And then we saw a report uh, the earlier this week, Derek, that talked about the pressure that Tesla is under. Yeah, I mean, Tesla gets a lot of publicity. It's a, a very high beta stock. A lot of momentum investors are very interested in it. And what we're finding out from Tesla is they're going to trade profits for market power. Power. We know the EV market's going to grow dramatically, and they believe they have a cost advantage over Ford, General Motors, and the rest. So basically, they continue to lower prices, and, and that, as a result, has caused their margins to decline more than analysts expected, as well as some high expenses. So they missed the earnings number and guided a little bit lower, and that caused the stock to fall fairly dramatically. You know, and of course, those price drops that you talked about, I think it's been five or six rounds, including 30% decline on the Model Y. And of course, you know, we talk about so much about about uh, Elon and his brilliance. And of course, Danny, you saw, and we've been talking about Elon Musk for a long time, you saw his SpaceX project. It supposedly was still a success, but Starship, is that it, Dave? Starship. Bigger than the Saturn V, it went up, it lasted four minutes, tumbled over and over, and then, what did they call it? A rapid, unscheduled disassembly. (laughs) Come on, what a spin. That's almost as good as when Gwyneth Paltrow got divorced and it was unconscious coupling or conscious uncoupling. <laughs> conscious That's what uncoupling. it was. Yeah. It's the same thing. That is a spin. Folks. Well, so. Can I get back to Tesla for a second? Uh, sure, of course. Um, you know, the one thing about Tesla, if you think about it, if you're about to buy a Tesla and you know that they've cut prices six times and you think you might sell the car down the road, you have to wonder what that residual value will be. So it, it could cause some consternation across the EV space, but it's certainly going to make it more difficult for startup companies that are hoping to take advantage of the EV boom. Companies like Lucid and Rivian and the rest. Yeah, they're going to be under pressure, no doubt about it. Let's stay with earnings. And of course, we all wanted to see how the banks did, especially in the light of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank uh, just a few weeks ago. But some of the big banks looked okay. Well, the big banks did well. They gained deposits. They do a better job of hedging interest rate risks, risks certainly better than Silicon Valley Bank did. Uh, but we've seen some of the regional powerhouses like Zion Bank Corp, Regents Financial, and Key Corp all guide lower, all, all raise some loss reserves. So, you know, the bulk of this commercial real estate downward pressure is going to hit those regional banks, and they own 67% of those loans. And so let's uh, look at sectors and in that space. And of course, CRE or commercial real estate 
will be part of this conversation and real estate as a sector will be under pressure. And next week, Derek, we're going to get a lot of earnings from the big tech companies. Right. And that's going to be important because those 10 names have basically carried the advance of the S&P. They've, they've generated 90% of the gain in the S&P year to date. And by that, I mean Apple, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, and so on. So how they report and how they guide will be important. We did get one little tidbit, though, uh, towards the end of the week about Apple, and that is that sales did fall off towards the end of March and continue to fall off in April. So we'll see what the guidance is there. But generally speaking, those companies are at a higher valuation than the balance of the S&P 500, which is why we've migrated more towards an equal weight strategy than a market cap There you go, strategy. equal rate, another E word. And of course, we talked about expensive and equal weight. And that's the reason why, and you've done some work here, Derek, is that when you show the earnings of the S&P 500, on the surface, it looks expensive, but... Right. Well, like as I said, when you deduct the, the market caps of the top 10 and the multiples there, they're, so for example, Amazon's at 76 times earning, Meta and Apple are both north of 20 times earnings. That's significantly higher than the balance of the S&P, but they have a bigger uh, disproportionate impact because they're the largest market cap weighted companies in the index. So again, uh, stock picking, you know, picking sectors that make sense and not just chasing high market cap companies, I think is the way to go going forward. And staying with the letter E theme, the economy. Economy, of course, is going to be front and center. We're going to continue that conversation because of all of the debt ceiling debate is right in front of us, Danny. We're going to continue that conversation on the other side of the break. I forgot the other E was explosion. So well, we even exactly. worked that in nice too. Job. So folks, if we can help, head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. What we do as a fee-only fiduciary, we work for your investment. We work for your retirement planning. We work for your tax planning. We work for your estate planning. All those things all together with the deep and talented team that Annex Wealth Management brings to our clients every single day. We'd love to do it for you. Just head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. You can catch the Week in Review on Demand, Spotify at the top of the hour, in our Axiom newsletter, or wherever you get your podcast. Sunday, April 23rd, it's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back. 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. We're back on the show. Here's my weekly reminder to sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. Don't have to be a client for it. Uh, Last week, we asked everybody that subscribes, if you're already retired, what do you know now that you really wish you would have known before you retired? And we're going to share the results of that poll next week. Hope you can join us for that. In the studio, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Also, Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. You know, in the last segment, we really talked a lot about earnings, but we want to shift the conversation to the economy and really what the Federal Reserve has been doing. We all know that they raised rates seven times last year, twice already this year. The good news is that they are getting near the end of the rate hiking cycle. Right. I mean, that's what we think based on the data. Right now, the probability for a hike in May is at 88%. We had 
a good ISM number today, both on the purchasing manager surveys, the services and manufacturing were both above 50 for the first time in several months. So there's now a slight possibility they could raise another 25 points in June. But again, it's going to be data dependent. And many people believe that that's the economy was strong in the first quarter with Atlanta Fed saying it's going to be about 2%. But it was very warm across the country. And one wonders whether that helped to stimulate those numbers. And so again, we are at or near the end of this rate hiking cycle. And what that means is it's probably going to just pause and keep the rates there for a while as the Federal Reserve tries to wring out the excesses out of the economy. And that is really the anticipation as we head into the back half of this year that we'll have some type of slowing. The Fed's own projections show negative GDP later in the year. Right. And for the year as a whole, which means essentially they are expecting some negative quarters. And this is very similar to what Todd Voigt, our chief investment strategist, has been saying over and over again. He felt all along we'd have a U-shaped recovery, that absence of Fed put, where the Fed would come in and protect the markets from a sharp drawdown, that this economy is going to take some time. It got a lot of stimulus for a lot of years, and you have to wring out those excesses, and that doesn't happen overnight. So let's try to tie together two pieces. One is what we talked about in the first segment, which was earnings, and now what we're talking about is the economy. Earnings generally have a trough somewhere between six and nine months, or two and three quarters, before the economy gets there, and that's what we're expecting here right now with this earnings season. Consensus is around 3 or 4% negative growth of earnings, and that's what we're seeing right now. Right. Earnings are coming in a little better than feared, but as I mentioned earlier, Q1 may have been abnormally affected by weather, and of course, the Silicon Valley bank thing didn't hit till the middle of March, so couldn't have had much of an impact in the quarter there either. And again, we're trying to be forward-looking and not rear-view people, and, and that's why it's all about guidance. It's all about what the probabilities are, and one way to do that is to look at relative valuations between asset classes, and we still feel that fixed income on a relative basis is cheap relative to stocks. And I and I just I want to hit this piece again. If of course earnings begin to trough either in this quarter or next, and then begin to ramp up at the same time the Fed has hit its peak in rate raises, it really if you want to be forward looking, look out the windshield like you're talking about. There could be an opportunity set on the second half of the year. And if you look for earnings estimates into 2024, that's what we're seeing. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a consensus out there that the economy has nowhere to go but lower. Positioning on the part of institutional investors is very negative, very negative on the part of hedge funds. And, and, you know, sometimes the consensus is right. So we'll see how that plays out. But the one thing I would like to caution people is just because the Fed pauses doesn't mean go all in because the stock market sometimes goes up after a pause, but other times it goes down. And that's the reason why you need to go through those sectors. There are sectors that will do well in some that will not. The last piece that we would caution you to is, of course, the debt ceiling debate. And if you look back at 2011 as a playbook, there is a was certainly a defensive posture. Absolutely. I mean, right now, credit default swaps on Treasury securities are highly elevated. Uh, we know the federal government has to refund one third of its uh, outstanding debt in the next three years, and rates are significantly higher than the rate they're currently paying. So it's behoven on the part of the Fed and the federal government to try to get interest rates to 
move lower or else we're going to crowd out other spending that both Democrats and Republicans like. And we can get into that conversation at another time between the deficit and the debt. The point here, folks, is that there is an opportunity set. You cannot set it and forget it with all of these moving parts. Go through those portfolios and make sure that you are allocated in the correct way. If you need help, this is what we do on a daily basis. We take what you have, look, even if it's a mishmash, some here and some there, and put it together on one piece of paper and show it to you and say there could be an overweight, an underweight, or an opportunity in front of you. Dirk Chelsky is our Chief Investment Officer. Dave Spano, our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. There's more to come. Stick around. What is longevity literacy? Why does it matter? Well, frankly, we're living longer. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with that next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Are you waiting for a miracle to feel financially secure in retirement? In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to, quote, take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Annex Wealth Management listens. Then, our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan that covers investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. We stress test it, run it through countless variables. Then, and only then, we present a framework for a financial plan tailored to your goals in retirement. And unlike our competitors, Annex doesn't have any products to push. No hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that out there already. We're a fee-only fiduciary, required to act in your best interest at all times. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence in your future with Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Keith Butler is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Joins us. Hey, Keith. Hey, great to be here. We are going to talk about retirement preparedness and the importance of longevity literacy. Now, mm-hmm. I know what longevity is. I don't know that I'm supposed to be literate about it. What is longevity literacy? Well, I think it's an understanding of how likely you are to live, simply stated. Years ago when we were kids, it seemed like somebody who lived to 90, that was this crazy old age, right? But really interesting, how many people now live to 90? Here's a couple of quick statistics for you. If a man is alive at age 62, there's a 22% chance he'll hit 90. If a woman is 62, there's a 33% chance she'll hit 90. And this one blows me away. A couple, if they are both alive at 62, there's almost a 50-50 chance one of them will hit 90. Research piece that really piqued my interest, it came from TIAA Institute and also George Washington University about longevity literacy and retirement readiness. Apparently, we're not very good at knowing this as Americans. Right, right, right. And, and it is important, too. One big reason is that our parents' generation, if you will, was a pension generation where almost everybody had a pension, okay? And that switch, now public employees have pensions, unions people have pensions, but now we have Social Security, which usually is not enough to replace the income that you had uh, while you were working. And so people rely now on 401k plans and savings, things like that. So you kind of have to plan out how long that's going to be because it's not a, just a stream that's going to go as long as you are. And I think we're a little healthier now. So you look at the, the Mad Men generation. You know, I was watching that show. And I'm like, how do people live past 65 right. back then? So during our financial planning process at Annex Wealth Management, we develop stress-tested plans for our clients, many factors, income, spending, investments, tax planning, estate planning. Knowing how long we might live, that's a little tougher. So Keith, my grandfather went to 99, mm. my dad to 88. So what do I have, late 70s? Mm. Do I carry that number into? talk to a wealth manager? Well, 
we have a base assumption when people come in, and we, we build out our plans to have the, if it's a married couple, husband and wife, the man to 86, the woman to 91. That's just a base starting point. And a lot of folks say, geez, you know, kind of like, you know, your, your grandpa, they say, geez, we have all this longevity in our family. We can just build it out with a click. That's just a starting point. And one of the reasons is we want to split up the deaths so that one person has to file as a single taxpayer for a few years, and that stresses the plan a little bit. The tough thing is, is when you live longer than your money does. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, and that, that's getting back to the point of, you know, you've got to really think ahead when things are now a lump of money, if you will, like a 401k plan becomes an IRA, as opposed to a pension that you know is just going to stretch out regardless of how yeah. long you live. Does it boil down to the fact that we just plan old underestimate what we'll need for the full length of our lives? I think that's part of it. And that plays into a lot of people who want to take Social Security a little earlier than they may really be advised to, if you will. One of the things that we provide, of course, is a Social Security analysis to let people know, because you can start taking it other than in a disability situation, it's between 62 and 70. There's no point to wait beyond 70. It doesn't go up at all uh, beyond that. So I think that a underestimating how long you may are likely to live will lead people to take Social Security maybe a little earlier than they should. One of the things I saw was the generational differences in longevity, literacy, and retirement readiness. The boomers and the silent generation, they're better. In fact, they've got stronger longevity knowledge compared to Gen Z and Gen Y, maybe because we're closer to that time. That would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you ponder these things yeah. a little bit more. Right. You know, I've seen various articles about subjects like this. The headline of my favorite was, why the last check you write before you die should bounce. Is that a decent goal? It's a perfect goal. And to put it a generation further, back when I was doing estate planning and some folks would bring in their elderly parents to get their plans, then they say, we don't want to inherit. We want mom and dad to spend every dime that they have. You know, they earned it, blah, blah, blah. And that's a noble goal. But realistically, if you're very elderly and all of a sudden you see your money going down to like nothing, that's going to add a lot of stress. Now, if we all knew everybody's dates of death, we could, we could plan that perfectly so that, yes, the last check bounces. But unfortunately, the world doesn't work that way. I'm not sure I want that. Yeah. L- let's pivot slightly. Let's talk about legacy. Sure. We want everybody to enjoy a wonderful retirement, but a really nice part of retirement can be setting up and ensuring a legacy for years to come and being part of that process to design and direct that legacy. That's something we do for our clients. It absolutely is. For lack of a better word, we do the consulting. We'll do the evaluation. We can look at what plan you have right now. You know, a lot of folks that come in that haven't done their plan, they did it when their kids were young. And other kids are into college or out of college, and it's completely out of date. And, you know, getting that up to date is a really important part of that process. Keith Butler is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. What is a surrender squeeze? It's something you want to avoid. We're going to talk about it next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything you fix looks like a nail. Same thing goes for some annuity salesmen. Need help with tax planning? Maybe you need an annuity. Recession coming? Have you tried annuity? Retirement planning? You get the picture. Sometimes you need more than a one-tool solution. It's time for serious fee-only fiduciary planning from Annex Wealth Management. Our in-house team of experts will offer you a rigorously tested plan built just for you. Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? If you like to look up investment terms, Investopedia is a good source. It's got dictionaries, advice, reviews, ratings, comparisons. It's got a long section on squeezes. You might have heard of 
profit squeezes, credit squeezes, short squeezes, long squeezes, bear squeezes. Investopedia says squeeze situations often accompanied by loops that make a bad situation worse. Surrender squeeze might be new to you, certainly not new to my guests. Let's say hello to Amy Kiskala, wealth strategist, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Amy. Hey, Danny. Also joining us, Brandon Lehman, CFP, wealth manager and director of branch development. Welcome back, Brandon. Danny. Surrender squeeze. That's not where that weird uncle gets a hold of you and he doesn't let go. It's actually worse. What is it? It certainly can be be worse. What we're talking about here are the potential consequences when taking a loan against a life insurance policy. So if we take a step back for some context, many types of permanent life insurance will allow that owner of the policy to borrow against the policy. So like other types of loans where we might be familiar with, the loan's going to charge interest. It's also going to have collateral. In this case, the, the cash value of the life insurance policy provides the collateral for, for the policy loan. Unlike other type of loans, you don't necessarily have to pay the loan back on a set schedule. If you don't pay it back, there's some flexibility. So let's say you die and you haven't paid the loan back. Life insurance company is just going to take a portion of those proceeds to pay the loan back. Yeah. And this is something that we tend to see in somebody who bought a policy a long time ago, right? So they tend to be larger policies. So you look at your business owners who had started a business and they needed that life insurance when they started. Maybe some of the executives or doctors, a big one has been doctors. Doctors have these policies where they have very large policies they took out maybe when they were residents or they were going through that start of their career. That's where you tend to see this. It's not in every policy. It's not something that's talked about in broad context, but it does exist. Those just happen to be some areas where we have particularly seen it as of late. So now let's get to the surrender squeeze part of it. So let's say I took that loan against my policy and let's say I didn't do anything to pay it back. I didn't pay the interest, didn't pay any of the principal. That interest just simply gets added to the balance each year. So now if that loan balance starts to get too high, it's going to bump up against that cash value in the policy. And if it gets high enough, the life insurance company is going to say, well, that policy has now lapsed. They'll surrender the policy. They take that remaining cash value then to pay off the loan. So I don't get any of the cash out because I already took it in the form of the loan. But what I might get at the end of the year is a nice tax bill. So when there's gain in a policy, you know, to the extent that that cash value exceeds the basis, which is essentially the premiums that you've paid, it's going to have gain. And that gain should be ordinary income. And again, it was sold to them because life insurance does fit a need depending on your situation, all that. It's been sold to them and they've been said, you know, you can take these loans. But then as time goes on, you notice that folks forget about it. Life insurance has an opportunity and and it works out well sometimes where it can pay it for itself, right? The dividends are paying for that loan. Well, if you forget about it, and as Amy alluded to, if that loan's too large, things can get a little different. If we were to go back in time to when the client was presented with this type of insurance proposition, what would our counterpoint or our suggestion be that might be more beneficial down the road, like as in now? You have to look at it and look to the future. What makes the most sense? What is the purpose of the policy? What, what are you getting this for? Is it because you want to use it as a retirement vehicle? Well, then you have to take a step back and say, okay, well, what type of retirement vehicle? What are the other vehicles that we're utilizing? And make sure that the insurance that you're getting matches the needs you have, not just now, but in the future. And understand that nothing from the insurance side is necessarily guaranteed. I say that word not lightly, but there's just so many moving parts and you want to factor that into the overall plan. 
That's right. And that's a great way to start is what's the purpose of life insurance? It's essentially a pile of cash at death. So really understanding why you need that pile of cash is very important. You know, Brandon, you referenced doctors, business owners who often might have these permanent insurance policies. Well, they often need the cash to pay estate taxes or to pay off other debts at death. And by taking that policy loan, you might be jeopardizing the ability to have that death benefit at the time when you when you really need it. So it really does start with a great comprehensive financial plan and understanding what all of your needs are across your lifetime and then really matching the right products and solutions to meet those needs. Well, and it's key to understand what you're doing. Understand what that loan means because this is a loan. This, this is just like going to the bank and getting a loan. And they'll say, well, you're taking a loan from yourself, but but you're taking a loan from the the company that issued the policy. You're not taking a loan from yourself. So now you're paying interest back to them. And a lot of times, as we've seen, Amy and I, specifically in conversations we've had, folks haven't paid it back. And that's where all of a sudden they look at cash value and they say, well, we have 100000 in cash value. And you're like, your surrender value is 3000 And by the way, these things are not cheap, are they? No, not by any stretch. Some of these policies can be very expensive. And when I say very, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. How can we help folks with, with situations like this before they get into it? I think it's important to sit down and utilize a financial advisor, a team like we have here at Annex, because it's not just myself and Amy meeting with folks, right? You have the financial planning team, you have the tax team, you bring all these teams together and they can look at it and give you an objective opinion because we can't sell product, an objective opinion on what's going on. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, CFP, Wealth Manager and Director of Branch Development. Thanks for joining us. Danny. Amy Kiskel, a wealth strategist and estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Life is full of twists and turns. We all walk different paths. Not one of your friends and neighbors has your story. So it makes sense that your investment and retirement planning isn't the same as theirs. It's personal. At Annex Wealth Management, we get it. The Annex way is to meet you where you're at. That's the best place to start. Seasoned investor, careful saver, or do-it-yourselfer ready to tidy up loose ends. It doesn't matter as long as you're ready for comprehensive wealth management from the fee-only fiduciaries at Annex. And if you're simply stuck and maybe a little frozen over market turbulence and not sure what to do next, visit AnnexWealth.com and click the Get Started button. From there, our team works on your personal wealth metric with a deep dive on investment, retirement, and tax planning. No sales gimmicks, no commissions, just guidance on what's next for you, your family, and your situation. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. Start today at AnnexWealth.com. Back in the show, and it's time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? You head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask tab. As always, if we can help, Get Started is the button you want to hit. Maybe hit both of them this week. In the studio, Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. Matt Morris, he is Investment Team Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. First up from Harold. With more nations planning or actually moving away from the U.S. dollar, what impact does or will this have on the American consumer and your team's investment strategy? History lesson from Sarah Kyle. This is not the first time this has come up. 
No, it is not. And it, as Matt and I were discussing, this is kind of the uh, topic du jour, and it pops up about once every 10 years. It's getting a little more press these days, and people think it's more imminent because of the fact that, you know, just a quick history lesson on the U.S. dollar and nations trying to no longer have this as the reserve currency. So back in 2010, the BRIC nations got together and they formed a coalition. Now, the BRIC nations are Brazil, Russia, India, and China. They started this coalition to try and and not have that dollar be the central bank's reserve currency. So, you know, that's been how many years ago? 23 years ago now? And it didn't fly. No, it did not fly. And, you know, it popped up about 10 years ago, and people said oil's not going to trade in U.S. dollars anymore, but it still is. But So why is it back in the news now? Because of the fact that more of these little small nations are starting to join the coalition. But recently, two large nations joined, and that is Mexico and Saudi Arabia. Now, that's a big deal because Saudi Arabia and the United States have an agreement, petrodollar. So they said that we'll give you all the defense that you need, but you have to make sure you trade and sell your oil in U.S. dollars. So... I don't know how that's going to play out if we have this agreement, if that's no longer there. But those are two big developments that happened in this last couple of weeks that I think is bringing this more to the forefront. So it'd be a huge amount of speculation as what it will do for the American consumer. And it's way too far down the road for what we would do as an investment team. Yeah, it certainly will happen at some point in time. And there's an ebb and flow over the course of world history of having a dominant economic and military power and that their currency is the currency that the world uses. And it does ebb and flow. Every country or main country will have that time period where they're that main that main power. And again, it will come away like, you know, think of Rome, you know, eventually Rome collapsed, you know, and that's what I think people are trying to predict in this situation is when is the U.S. not the dominant power anymore? But we have to remember right now we still are. We're the largest economy in the world. We're still military dominant. We have political stability. Now, it might not seem like that here while we're here, but when we look at the rest of the world, we, we really are. You know, when we think about, you know, how to quantify some of this stuff, you know, the U.S. dollar is still the reserve for 60% of financial assets across the world. The next closest is the euro at 20%, but the euro is an entire continent that's coming together with one currency to even get a third of the value of the U.S. dollar. And over the last 20 years, about 80% of all foreign trade was done in U.S. dollars. So we're still the big boy on the block, and it's going to be a while before that happens. From a standpoint of how the committee views it, though, it's something we monitor a lot. It's obviously really important. You know, what are, what are currencies doing? And where that comes into the most importance for us on a today basis is the dollar strength or dollar weakness versus baskets of other currencies. The U.S. dollar was such a strength that people went to during COVID or last year with uh, results of what the Fed was doing in terms of increasing interest rates that people flocked to the dollar as a source of safety and stability. And that's just another way of showing that we are the big boy on the block with that. Now we're watching to see is the dollar going to weaken? That doesn't take away from the reserve ability of the dollar, but it's a short-term ebb and flow of the U.S. dollar versus other currencies. And that's something that would maybe make international stocks do better. And that's something we're watching very closely as a committee is when to overweight international, when to overweight emerging markets, because there might be time periods that those stocks do better because the dollar weakens. But that's not taken away at all from our, our status as the currency of the world. Yeah. And I think another reason why this is a hot topic too, and what's kind of pole vaulting this, these nations that start joining the BRIC nations is the Ukraine-Russia war. U.S. went in there, they put, say, sanctions on Russia. They also took a bunch of their assets away and they're funding the war. So that could be a cause for the, you know, like I said, the, the, the catapulting of these other little nations starting to join this coalition. 
Final question on Ask Annex is anonymous. Could you explain how to use Social Security break-even age calculation? My father-in-law wants to take Social Security at 62. I know he listens to this show. So now the 50,000-watt intercom to her (laughs) father-in-law. Well, you know, Social Security and deciding when to take it is, you know, it's a personal decision. You really have to decide. You have to look at your health. If nobody's ever lived past 80 in your family, you know, you might want to take it earlier. If people have lived to 100, you might want to wait and take Social Security later because then your benefit is higher and it will last longer. But the break-even point basically represents when the cumulative benefits even out. So if you wait until age 70 to start taking the benefits, it would take you to about roughly age 79 to break even with the benefit amount you received if you started taking it at age 62. So to calculate this on your own, to get a rough idea, you subtract the total benefits you'd receive by starting to take Social Security at an earlier age from the benefits you'd receive at a later age. But now this is just a rough calculation because there's not cost of living adjustments in there. If you're still working, your benefit might be more. But that's basically how you get that break-even number. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. You're welcome. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager. Thanks. Thank you. If you're looking for an investment and retirement planning partner, Annex is a solid choice from our core offering to Annex Ignite for people just starting out. In fact, you can learn more about Annex Ignite next after a break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Are you waiting for a miracle to feel financially secure in retirement? In a recent study, over one-third of millionaires predicted their ability to feel financially secure in retirement is going to, quote, take a miracle. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe a plan, not a miracle, will help increase your retirement confidence. Annex Wealth Management listens. Then, our team of experts gets to work using leading-edge technology to build a comprehensive plan that covers investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. We stress test it, run it through countless variables. Then, and only then, we present a framework for a financial plan tailored to your goals in retirement. And unlike our competitors, Annex doesn't have any products to push. No hidden fees or commissions. There's too much of that out there already. We're a fee-only fiduciary, required to act in your best interests at all times. More planning, less miracles. Build confidence in your future with Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference. AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Robert Chastain joins us. He's Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. How are you, Danny? Not bad. In this past weekend's Axiom newsletter, we reached out and asked, if you're already in retirement, what do you know now you wish you knew before? We're going to bring you those results on a future show, but Robert has worked with plenty of clients in retirement, and I thought it'd be interesting to get his perspective. Robert, you almost could have taken this quiz because you did retire at one time. I did, and I failed at it. <laughs> so hopefully some of, some of my insight will help others out there. Oh, totally. So this is what we're going to talk about finding sense of purpose and fulfillment in post-work years. Just personally, you, but also people that you've worked with, they probably get there and it's like, boy, dude, I don't know. I'm kind of bored or this isn't what I thought it was going to be. A comment that I hear a lot is, is this what it's supposed to be? Or is this all that it is? Remember, in retirement, it's really what you make of it. If you work as hard as you can, work as much as you can, and then think you're going to sit on your can, it's pretty boring. There's so many things that you could you could get involved in, and we can talk about those things. Yeah, I think that takes some pre-planning because, you know, I'm, I'm 
not that far from retirement, but I don't have a picture. I mean, I, I'd like to get the house in order, maybe the yard in order, and then what do I do two months later, right? <laughs> not even two months later. Right. Don't wear out the TV remote. That's my first advice for anybody. Don't just go home and sit on the couch. It, you will be miserable. That's not purpose. That's not fulfillment. Do you know, are there like non-traditional ways that retirees can stay active and engaged during retirement? I mean, do they take up new hobbies? Is that even advised? I'm just going to list a couple things that I got involved in. Take it for what it's worth. So most of you know, I've talked about it before. My wife works in the medical field. So I, we bought a dog and, <laughs> you know, since my wife works so many weekends, I trained it to become a emotional sport animal. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if my wife worked, I would take the dog to the hospital on the weekends and visit kids, adults. And you can also take it to nursing homes. We're in Southwest Florida. We got a lot of retired folks and elderly folks who just wouldn't mind a visit. It's very rewarding. Now, my own dog is retired now. She's 15, so I'm taking care of her now. She's elderly. There's so many other things you can do. You can volunteer at the hospital. Pick up a musical instrument. It's good for your brain. For me, I picked up a guitar when I, when I tr uh, tried retirement. And I enjoyed it. Learn a new language. I, I started picking up Spanish. Habitat houses. Worked mm. on a few of those. And then you can mentor some youth, tutor. There's all kinds of kids in Southwest Florida that need tutors. And then I picked up refing, and I know we've talked about that a lot. It's fulfilling. You know, you get to run around with the kids, and, you know, you meet a whole new bunch of guys and, and folks that, you know, you see on a regular basis. And I, I just find that it's very fulfilling for me. We touched on it a little bit, but there are definitely some downsides of not having a clear purpose or sense of fulfillment. And if you're retiring from something rather than to something, that might be where you're going to land. It's very possible. And, and I just know me, myself, I found after about two months, I found myself sliding backwards into a, into a hole. I recognized it. My wife recognized it. We just looked at each other and said, I got to do something different, you know? So it can be depressing. If you're one of those spring out of bed every morning and, you know, go, go attack the day, it can be depressing when you don't have a mission. If you can still structure your day, keep a calendar. If you lose your sense of self or your connection to the community because you just don't feel fulfilled anymore, you have a problem and the, the quicker you solve that problem, the easier retirement is going to be for anybody. With Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management here in Southwest Florida. So in a recent Axiom newsletter, we asked, if you're already in retirement, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? We're going to have the results on a future show. Here's another one. How can retirees transition from a career-focused identity? I mean, like go and go and go and grinding, grinding, all of a sudden turning into a more purpose-driven one in retirement. That's got to be tough to go from 90 miles an hour to 40. Let's just take the snowbirds that drive down here. You know, they're on the freeway for two or three days straight doing 70 or 80 miles an hour. Next thing you know, you get into southwest Florida traffic and you're <laughs> yeah. doing 20. Right. You feel like you're going backwards. Yeah. You know, when you're at that pace and then this new situation kicks in and your pace is cut in half or, or it's quartered, it takes some serious adjusting. The more that you talk about it, the more that you've planned for it, and the more that you have plans with your time, 
and structuring your days, your weeks, your months with things to look forward to. Oh, we're going to go visit this child. We're going to go visit these grandkids. And the more that you have those types of events on your calendar, gives you something to look forward to and and work toward. Well, I can tell you what's really going to help give you purpose and focus is to have a purposeful, focused financial plan. If you have had a financial plan and if you have worked with a financial team like like here at Annex Wealth Management, you have confidence and then you might feel like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go tackle these other bucket list items because I know my financial team, my, my financial advisors are running with the ball and I can focus my attention on some other things that I really want to focus on now. I mean, I've grinded for years and years to build this nest egg. Now it's your time to go enjoy it. That's why you partner with an Annex Wealth Management because we have the CFPs, we have the CFAs, we have the PhDs all working on your team where you can take your eye off that ball now and let us run with it. It's time, folks. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Robert, how do we get a hold of you on the phone? Anybody can call me directly at 239-350-6363. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Thanks for jumping on the show. Thank you, Danny. Proper beneficiaries, boy, that is important. We're going to talk about it next with one of our state planning team members. That's next on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may be wondering if your retirement plans are still on track. Inflation is a silent wealth killer. You won't hear an alarm when prices rise, but you might feel alarm as you try to plan your future. It's also one of the top reasons 80% of Americans are feeling stressed about their finances. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, Annex Wealth Management's in-house team of planners will prepare your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric isn't a sales tool. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary, so there are no products to push. Instead, you'll get an honest assessment of your current state and a realistic plan to reach your goals. If you're concerned about how inflation may be affecting your retirement date or how you're planning to spend your retirement, visit at AnnexWealth.com today. Annex Wealth Management. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. No, the difference making sure your beneficiaries are properly designated, really important. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney at Annex. She heads our estate planning team, and she joins us to talk about this. Hello, Jill. Hi, Danny. We hear about this often. Not keeping beneficiaries current can be a costly mistake. How many times have you seen the story about where somebody's like ex-wife wound up with money? Too many. Too many. Too many. Let's do a segment about that sometime. So <laughs> we're going to cover a fictitious couple that illustrates why this can be complicated and why paying attention is so important. And we're also going to define some terms. So it's a story problem. 
This isn't the train leaving westbound at 20 miles an hour. And the N- other. Not quite, oh, but good. we could definitely turn it into that if we right. wanted to. You have a hypothetical situation. I do. So what we've got is we've got Doug and Sarah, who they are on their second marriage. They both have children from a prior marriage. and But so none together, right? None together. Okay, and that's where, that's where this is important. Uh, well, and that would be our hypothetical with the train. Let's got get it. it really complicated. So I didn't want to go too complicated to start. but So Doug has a daughter, Mary. And Sarah has twin sons, Brad and Chad. Perfect. Okay. So we're just talking about the IRAs here and and to not overly complicate it. But Doug has a $500,000 IRA. He's named Sarah as his spouse. His wife. His wife. All right. As the primary beneficiary. Okay. And then he's got his daughter, Mary, as the contingent beneficiary. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Okay. Sarah also has an IRA, about 200000 She names Doug, her husband, as the primary beneficiary. And then Brad and Chad are the contingent beneficiaries. Okay. Okay. So, so far, we're pretty clean. Right. So, let's talk about exactly what that is. Right. So, a primary beneficiary is the named person or people that if they are alive when you die, they will take control of that account and that asset so that it's theirs to do with as they see fit. Pretty simple. Sure. A contingent or an alternate beneficiary or a secondary beneficiary, depending on the type of account, that person or people are only going to take if all of the primary beneficiaries have died before you did. Okay. So is that a stopgap sort of? Because if if your primary changes, or say like they died, you would need to put in new primaries, right? Yeah, it's basically so you don't have to put in a new primary beneficiary because that happens a lot where you name a primary, that person has died, so then it's the contingents that take. But what people get really confused about, especially in second marriage situations, is, is what that contingent does not do. It doesn't mean that in Doug's situation, it doesn't mean that Sarah gets that IRA while she's alive, and then when Sarah passes, it doesn't go to Mary. Mm. And people get a little confused by that. They just kind of assume that Doug's IRA is ultimately going to end up with Mary because she's the contingent. The reality is what happens is Sarah gets the beneficiary. She's the beneficiary. She gets that IRA. It's her account to do with as she sees fit. So she can turn around and put her own beneficiaries on that. So in a case where Doug would die first, his IRA goes to his wife, Sarah. Correct. Okay. And then what she normally would do is she would either combine that with her existing IRA or open a new account, but she has full control over that account to do with as she sees fit. So guess what? If she gets remarried for a third time, she can name her now third husband on that as the beneficiary if she wants to. So what happens is... Mary is never really going to get that IRA unless Sarah specifically names her as one of the beneficiaries. So instead, it would probably go to Sarah's children, which would be Brad and Chad, not to Mary. Is that being disinherited? It is a little bit, right? That, that's the word you always see in the movie. I'm writing you out of the will. Yeah, you're, and, you're disinherited. So right. she's out, right? She, she is, right? Unless unless Doug has provided for her in some other capacity as part of his estate plan, as it relates to this particular account that we're talking about, because Sarah was alive when Doug passed away, that's Sarah's account's 
Mary will never get anything from that. We're talking about making sure beneficiaries are properly designated. So um, this is a hypothetical, Doug and Sarah, their second marriage. They both have adult children. Doug has one daughter. Sarah has two sons. So if Sarah dies first, her IRA goes to Doug, the husband. He could combine it with that IRA, and he's got full control as well to name new beneficiaries. Correct. Or what he could do is, is he combines it with his existing IRA, and if he doesn't update the beneficiaries, what happens is his daughter Mary is the contingent beneficiary, so as long as she's alive when he passes, now that full 700000 becomes hers, so now Brad and Chad have been disinherited from oh, Sarah's oh, IRA. Okay, so okay. That, that can get bumpy then. Okay, in the case where they would die simultaneously. So dying simultaneously is the one time where both sets of children would inherit here. Okay, and simultaneously can mean multiple different things depending on what the estate plan says. Might be within a five-day period. It could be within a 60-day period depending on the terms. But basically what happens is both Doug and Sarah are treated as being predeceased to each other, which means there is no primary beneficiary on either one of their accounts that's living, which means then it passes to their contingent beneficiaries. So Doug's IRA goes to Mary and Sarah's IRA goes to Brad and Chad. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. the one situation where the alternate or contingent beneficiaries would take See, and those are solid because those are clear lines. It might not be, quote, fair, right? And that's where the human part of the estate plan comes in? It, it is. And and we use the, the second marriage situation here is, is that's where things get a little muddier, right? If it's a first marriage and Doug leaves everything to Sarah and Sarah leaves everything to their three kids from their, from their marriage, that's not as much of an issue because there isn't a disinheritance there. It's with these second marriages and blended families that we see a lot of unintended consequences because people don't fully understand the contingent beneficiary situation. And these are things you review when you're doing estate plans. Absolutely. That is a critical piece. So doing the estate plan and the documents is really important, but then making sure that your beneficiary designations align with what your true intent is to make sure that plan follows through with with what you want to have happen. Amen to that. Jill Martin, heading up our estate planning team. Thank you. Good stuff. You're welcome. Inflation isn't going away anytime soon. As the cost of everything from food to vacations to your electric bill rises, you may be wondering if your retirement plans are still on track. Inflation is a silent wealth killer. You won't hear an alarm when prices rise, but you might feel alarm as you try to plan your future. It's also one of the top reasons 80% of Americans are feeling stressed about their finances. Annex Wealth Management can help. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. From there, Annex Wealth Management's in-house team of planners will prepare your wealth metric, a snapshot of where you are and where you're headed. Wealth metric isn't a sales tool. Annex is a fee-only fiduciary, so there are no products to push. Instead, you'll get an honest assessment of your current state and a realistic plan to reach your goals. If you're concerned about how inflation may be affecting your retirement date or how you're planning to spend your retirement, visit at AnnexWealth.com today. Annex Wealth Management. We are back. Quick reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify and also Apple Podcasts at the top of the hour. So if you came in late and want to hear all of it, we're all over social media, especially with podcasts. Got a great one. The Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast comes from the Annex Wealth Management investment team. Monday mornings, wherever you get your podcast for that, that's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano, our president and CEO, still in the studio. Now joined by Dan Phillips, director of client learning development, CFP, and a 
CDFA. Welcome to you. Hi, Danny. You know, just this last hour, we've had just a sample of what we do at Annex Wealth Management. We didn't talk much about estate planning, but one of the real joys, I believe, for somebody like you, Deanne, and probably you, Dave, if you're working with clients, is working with clients to really establish legacy goals while they're still here and really kind of just maybe directed and just have joy in that whole process. Yeah. So establishing and first off, figuring out what they are. Right. So when we think about estate planning, we think about after I'm gone. But a lot of people have the goals for being remembered. Really, it's what we do with it. It's not he who dies with the most. Right. So it's establishing how can we be a good steward of what we have and make a difference right now. And right now, that's really Mm -hmm. the key. And, you know, our our clients really say, all right, I want to do that and I want to leave them something. But I want the grandkids to see it as well today. And that's part of the planning process. Absolutely it is. So establishing those goals, building them into a financial plan, figuring out uh, the basics and and the timing to those buckets. You know, we've been in situations where people have said, I've got enough for myself. How can I make a difference? I mean, Danny, we've told the story that you're very familiar with about, you know, the teacher who comes in and says, history of teachers in my family. How can I create a scholarship fund in perpetuity for kids who want to grow up and be teachers? Well, it's been a while since I told the story, may I? Yeah, sure, I mean, of course. This is the thing that Deanne and Annex really helped arrange for my dad in the last couple of years of his life. They arranged a scholarship at the small town that he grew up in in Montana to send kids off to become teachers. But and in the family name, like established sure. this, and it was wonderful. You know what? Like, and it gave, David just gave him such great pleasure in those last couple of years. You know, uh, you are such a fan of Deanne, and because you that was your first experience, was, right? Yeah. Is when you became, I mean, obviously you were hosting the show, but you weren't a client at that right. point. Well, and you so, know, I brought him in as right, a client, right. so that was great. And you went through the process, and Deanne went through it and put it on the screen and worked through it, and it really starts with, you know, the tenets of financial planning, which is, of course, first to do a discovery, find out what people's goals are, and that's really the first step. So making sure that you pay yourself first, right? Do I have enough in retirement? Then do I have enough to give back to what's important to me? And it doesn't really matter the scope. You know, everyone really goes through that thought process. And then there's that kind of a relaxation in a way, right, Dave, that financial planning can provide you where you say, okay, I'm on track for my saving. Now, what extra can I do? And sometimes it's for, I just met with a couple who's accumulating, they've got young children, and it's about, let's super save more for their colleges. That's a family value. It's important to us. So making that the next step of the goal, right? And that's one idea. And so for sure, you know, super funding some, a 529 plan, which you can do. And a lot of people are unsure how that works, but just something as basic as a 529 plan has estate planning benefits. It definitely has estate planning, especially, you know, um, linked to the state and state credits, depending upon where you live and, and what the plan is. But, you know, virtually any goal first follows those kind of steps, you know, making sure that you've got the different um, pieces of, of appropriate tax buckets in place to fund what your goals are, and then being Again, not to let the tax tail wag the dog, but efficient with that cash flow through and to and all the way through retirement, making sure that it not only funds it, but it's stress tested. Because a lot of people come in regardless of how much they've saved and say, hey, you know, I don't want to be a burden on my kids either. I want to be sure that my long term care is taken care of. I can self fund or do I need to look at other options as well? And a couple of things, Deanne. One is I, dry, I walked by the conference rooms and you had someone in there uh, the other day that was in full camo. And I was thinking if you were if you were doing a presentation on, of course, saving the family cottage. 
Yeah, this comes up all the time. We had a presentation just the other evening where somebody came up and said it wasn't had nothing to do with it, but she said, I know you touched on estate planning. Boy, do I have a problem and launched into her. You know, I my husband inherited this cottage from his parents and grandparents, and then he died. It's supposed to go to me, and how do we follow this? There can be some very complicated, you know, go-arounds, especially legally. So you always got to go to the source, follow the documents. That's why we have three attorneys on staff not to write law, not to draft. You know, we're not a law firm, but to sit there and help our clients with interpretation, get them on track toward their goals, and help them understand these documents. That's probably how it goes, right? Somebody gets on board with us, and they're having one goal taken care of, but then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, this cabin we have. or Yeah. yeah. That's part of the planning process. And folks, if you're listening to this, this is what we do, and that's the team. And the difference, of course, is the team. When we talk about know the difference, who is on the team? Are they certified financial planners? Are they lawyers? Are they CPAs? Are they PhDs? That is the depth of the team that we bring to our relationships. If you're hearing this and you want to explore that type of relationship, we do not charge for you to come in and have that initial conversation. It's worth getting a second set of eyes on it. Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you for having me. Dave Spano is our President and CEO and also a CFP. I should give you that because that's no picnic. One of our younger guys working at the uh, working here is studying for that, and he says it is, it's mind-blowing. How, how? And it's good, and it teaches ethics, and it teaches lots of things, but great job of captaining the show today. Yeah, thank you. Folks, thanks for listening. We sure appreciate that. You know, for many of you, this might be the first time you've been involved in a retirement planning. It's not our first time. This is your official indication. AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Thanks for listening. See you next Sunday at noon. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.